Hey, Nerd Talk Nation, it's your host, Jordan Halstead, and I've got Micah here today with me. Micah, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me here again. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it feels like we haven't recorded in a little bit, um, and we, we push out the episodes every week, but what's it been, like two, three weeks now? Yeah, it's, it's a, been a crazy time of year for all of us. Like, I think we're all just done with, and I know, Jordan, you work with students, but, you know, I work in higher ed, and it's like... We're, we're ending uh, the the spring semester and the kids are getting ready to go home and graduate and all that stuff. And um, we're gearing up for the summer, but yeah, it's been, a, I think two or three weeks and something's come up like every week. And then the last time we tried to record, you had a tornado warning in OKC. So it was like, yeah. we couldn't do it. It was like, well, Jordan either gets sucked up in a tornado or we record later. So, well, it was really funny. Uh, the, the tornado stuff, literally like we were, it was you, me, and Alicia. We were sitting in, in the, the Zoom call, and we're sitting there talking, and then my phone goes, beep, emergency warning. There's a tornado warning. Like, it, I didn't have a tornado watch. It just went straight to warning, and it was, like, right in our area, and it, it didn't hit more, um, or OKC, like, right here. Um, it was in a surrounding area, but it was still enough that Katie was like, hey, we should probably hunker down, and I was like, absolutely, so... We did that, but I just, got some pretty sweet You should have just taken your computer with you downstairs or wherever you're at. and Middle of the house, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been fun. Have Ollie and Katie like in the, the Guardians, which they hadn't even seen it. So um, today's topic, by the way, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I would say, too, so, though, like, aren't tornadoes like a daily occurrence in Oklahoma? Uh, so what's funny is Tornado Alley is not as frequent here anymore it's starting to kind of shift like weather patterns are pushing it more towards louisiana interesting yeah they've had i think more tornadoes in the past two years like basically since i've been here i think they've had more tornadoes than oklahoma has interesting so yeah we've we've had a couple in the area since we moved out here but not it's not as big a daily occurrence as everybody makes the jokes out to be I was telling Scott on the Scott Stebbin podcast when we were talking a couple of weeks ago that the the Ohio weather has been so insane this year. We had a beautiful fall last year, right? It was gorgeous. It was 60 and 70 degrees, like all the way till to like December, like the middle of December. And then mm-hmm. we didn't have snow, I don't think, until the middle of January. And that's not true. We had a big snow Christmas, right during Christmas. And then it kind of went away, warmed up. February was nice. We had no rain, no issues. March. It was cold and rainy the entire month of March, cold and rainy the entire month of April. And we're like, is spring ever going to come? And then like finally, like this week, which is like the second week of May, it's finally here. Spring is finally here. But I remember speaking of tornadoes going back in, uh, I think it was February, late February, early March. I'm sitting at home on Mondays because I work at home on Mondays. And my wife calls me and says, we got a tornado warning in Oxford, which is only 20 minutes away from us. And I look outside and I'm like, man, the sun's shining, this beautiful day outside. And like basically the tornado like hammered Oxford, but like went around where we live. And it, it was just a weird wow. day of like storm cells. Like, and it was just like a big, like a north and south of where we lived and kind of went right over us. It was, yeah. But we get maybe one or two of those a year. So not to the, to the magnitude of what Oklahoma city does, but yeah. 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 We, we get heavy storms. Um, and I think that's because it's so much wider, like land mm-hmm. than than Ohio has. Like I feel like it's very well developed out east, flat and windy. And so, yeah. And like we so. were talking about, um, we saw somebody with a Florida license plate the other day, and they said it said uh, summer all year. And I'm like, yeah, but you have alligators and hurricanes. <laughs> that's that is true. But Jordan, you have you know tornadoes, and California has earthquakes, and 
you know, it just depends on where you live. Yep. So, like I said a little bit ago, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So, Micah, before we even get into that, I just want to to say that I feel like James Gunn has done really well um, with this series. Mm -hmm. I feel that from start to finish, all three of his movies have been very well thought out, um, very well told. My least favorite, but it's still not a bad film, was Guardians 2. Do you, do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I, I just sit back and I think about how Guardians just, in 2014, Jordan um, had just gotten home from uh, a missions trip to Honduras. And I remember like telling my dad, hey, I'm going to see Guardians as soon as I get home. And he's like, no, you got to wait until we all get. And I said, no, I'm going to see it. And so he got the whole family. I think we went to the drive-in or something like that and saw it. And I remember just being blown away by how well that one was because nobody knew who the guardians were. Um, that was not a, a household name by any means at that point in time. And I just remember really liking that because that was the same year that winter soldier came out. And I was like, 2014 had some really like stacked films that year. Cause those were the two that came out. And I think that James Gunn just, instead of bringing it as a, Hey, here's a movie. He was kind of more like, here's my movie and I'm setting it in the Marvel universe the second one felt a little forced in certain areas, um, like he was having to kind of conform to the the Marvel formula. Um, I feel like it wasn't as much his movie, but the first and the third one really were. Would you agree with that? Yeah, um, you know, as a fellow nerd, I would I would totally agree with that. I I think after I saw it, I I didn't want to spoil you know things for you, but I remember saying something along the lines of like this movie was definitely a James Gunn movie guardians three. Yeah. Um, and I would agree that the first one, you know, the first one is just even 10 years later, still one of the best in the MCU. Um, the second one was kind of out there cause they told, they tried to tell a different story, which is fine. Again, it was still a good movie. Um, and it had all the elements of, of the guardians of that original group. Um, but the third one as well was, was definitely, I think in 10 years, we'll be talking about how good this one is. And, um, funny story, funny side story, you know, I, you know, watching some of the MCU, but not all the MCU early on, you know, I, you know, watched, you know, Iron Man and Iron Man two and, um, you know, Captain America and Thor, the original Thor and the dark world. Yep. And so like, I had like picked and choose what I was going to watch early on. And I missed the guardians early on. I watched winter soldier of the year in 2014 when it came out, but I missed for whatever reason I missed guardians of the galaxy. And then, I was at a church function and the guy had a, I think it was like a trunk or treat event. He was dressed up like Groot. And I was like, what's it? he's like, you've got to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was like, all right. Oh, yeah. So I went home. Actually, we went home and on our way home, we bought the, we went home and bought the Blu-ray on our, bought the Blu-ray on, on our way home. And we just watched it when we got home. And it was like, why, why have I not watched this until now? Um, yeah. It's just, yes, it's very, very much a James Gunn franchise. Um, Yes. And it gives me hope for the DC moving forward. Yeah. You know, if DC can take the, the seriousness that this movie brought, but also bring in some of the fun elements that it also did in the series. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like Groot, the entire, the entire notion of Groot when, when they're like, when Gamora says in this film, he's just saying the same three words. You're all just making up what he's saying. And then at the end of the film, she knows what he's mm -hmm. saying. Like, 
I, I love that notion. I love the the idea of that. And I was like, you could do some of that kind of thing. Not necessarily that I am Groot with uh, a character, but just the whole, like, the impact. I feel like he can write a story. And I, I've made the notion that you don't, like, preach at your own event. Like, you don't speak. You don't write. You don't do. Like, you're just organizing the event. You you're need hosting. to set up a speaker. You need to. Yeah, you're hosting. You're you're not supposed to be the one in charge. And after watching this film, I'm like, I'm okay with you doing Superman Legacy. Yeah, like I'm totally okay with that. I w- like, I want to do something a little different today. Um, okay, we kind of rate the movie at the end of our shows, like give it a score. I kind of want to yeah. do that at the beginning and build off that. Are you cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. So what what would you rate it? Nine and a half. And I'm super picky, and you know how picky I know I am. you are. That's that's that's. Huge uh, nine and a half, and and Alicia, uh, who wanted to be on this episode today, she's not feeling well because of allergies, and we just talked about the weather and stuff. But um, she said eight and a half, nine, and I said nine and a half. I just this on so many levels, and I've told you this. I sobbed the entire movie for for multiple reasons, good reasons, emotional reasons, just the beautiful piece of work that James Gunn put together with this film. Um we haven't had a banger like this in a while, right? We haven't yeah. had a movie that has been this good since probably Spider-Man No Way Home, Multiverse of Madness, that kind of time frame, And then before that, probably Endgame or Far From Home. Like we have not had a movie the caliber of what Guardians 3 was since some of those movies I just named. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think from an emotional draw, I think something that could come close not not to the same level but the closest would probably be wakanda forever mm. just just for the emotional yes, draw yes. i'm not saying like story. hey this is yeah i i would i would agree that like just from a storytelling point of view just that like it really tugged at the heart that you could make a case for that but for storytelling for how amazing it just it felt like a good film that helps drive the MCU. I feel like phase four was very hit and miss um, on their films. Like I was not a huge black widow fan. I'll watch it. I think it's a good movie. It's just not my favorite. Shang-Chi was amazing. Mm-hmm. Eternals. I felt like it fell flat. Um, I'll watch it. I'm not going to say no. Um, no way home was stellar. Multiverse of madness was stellar. Um, I think the argument though, for like, yes, though, like a good word for, I love multiverse. Multiverse was stellar, No Way Home was stellar, but I think the difference between No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness and then comparing that to Guardians 3 was Guardians 3 was literally just Guardians. It was the Guardians. It was their solo bird movie. Yeah, Whereas, it, it, there was no, yeah, no Way Home, exterior. No Way Home had yeah. the, the multiverse concept with the with the variant, different variants of Spider-Man and then the well, different you villains. Doctor Strange. And then with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, you had Black Widow, or not Black Widow, I'm sorry, Scarlet Witch, and then you had uh, America Chavez, you had Wong, you had... Uh, even with the variants in the multiverse of Professor X and, you know, Reed Richards and all that stuff, like that was all part of that movie, which it, it made it great. But with the, I think the difference, though, with Guardians 3 was it was literally just the Guardians. Like they didn't bring anything else from whatever else was going on in the MCU into that movie. I think the reason that, and it goes exactly to what you were saying, I think the reason that this film did so well was it wasn't capitalizing on the explosion let's let's bring the entire more uh, marvel cinematic universe together it was a hey we went did guardians then guardians 2 
then we joined for the the overall storytelling of Infinity War Endgame. So like they they joined the MCU, but then kind of went back to their own little bubble. And maybe and maybe this is just James Gunn directing and James you know James Gunn you know James Gunn's writing, but something that I noticed about this film versus some other films in you know the only other one we have in Phase Five is Quantumania, but um, even with Phase Four, this movie like the first five minutes of the movie it hit the ground running like it was it Absolutely. was in your face. All the other things seem like oh we're just gonna light this cigarette and let it burn for an hour and then it eventually will burn out right towards the ending you hit that climax. This one didn't. I think it was I think that was very intentional and I think it was great and I think it's something that we've been waiting for as fans because you know part of the reason Eternals fell flat was because it was just like, Oh, here's t- 10 new people. And we just have to figure out who they are. And like it, you, yeah, two and you a half hours, them. you're into the, you're, you know, two and a half hours into this movie. You're like, Oh, by the end of it, you know who they are, but it just took forever to get there. Does it make sense? But there was no draw to them. And I think what also helps this film is we've had five films where these characters are there. And a special, are you, are you including the Christmas special? Uh, no, I, and then the Christmas special. Yeah. I, I yes. I, I just think that, James Gunn excelled with that because I've been waiting for a movie to be in my face. And like the first, by the way, fans, listeners, they're full of spoilers in this, this episode. Um, The first five minutes, I'm like, well, Groot's dead. Rocket's dead. Yeah. Like I thought people were just going to die. Like in the first five minutes of the movie again, like, you know, up until the point of this movie being released, we just heard all these rumors that people were just going to die. And there were, (laughs) there were going to be mass casualties in this film. Well, I don't know that it was rumors as much as it was just fan theories thinking, oh, this is going to be the end because Drax, when Drax... Batista said he wasn't like going to do saying, it anymore. Batista said, I'm not doing that. And then uh, right, like I think the week right before the movie came out, um, Zoe Sinalda said, I'm done playing Gamora. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, like this sucks. We're, are we really done with these characters? Because honestly, I think the Guardians is a group of characters that you could continue doing their films and not worry about Different it. Different variations I mean, of the team. Yeah, you could do variations, and and I, they set that up at the end, very very well. Well, and and two, like I think I I was telling Alicia this when we saw the movie. I've never seen a movie where, you know, kind of the expectation was that people were going to die. You thought people were going to die, and basically James Gunn throughout the entire movie teased that all these characters were going to die at one point or another. At one point or another, and you're like, yeah. It keeps you on the edge of your seat, right? Like my wife, mm-hmm. like hit me in the arm when we saw it, when she thought that Quill was going to die at the end of the movie. When they faked that, where like he was basically he, they basically uh-huh. played off the um, uh, gosh, what is his name? Yondu. Yes, they played the whole Yondu part where he dies in space and saves Quill, and it's like, oh, they're revisiting that, and Quill's going to die now. But just kidding, he's not. Same thing with Gamora. Not Gamora, um, Nebula, when she's, you know, activating the spaceship thing at the end of the movie, she sticks her arm into that thing to activate it. And I'm like, well, she's going to die. Like, and then Rocket and Groot at yeah. the very beginning of the film. And then even Drax, for that matter, when uh, he had his back turned, I think, at one point to one of the bad guys. And I thought, man, they're just going to kill Drax right now. So, like, they were very, uh, I don't know how to say it, very, um, very heartfelt moments where you thought, man, these, these characters that we love are just going to die. And you, it, it almost yeah. felt like a horror film in a way. <laughs> well, and what I absolutely love is that they brought new characters in to do this. Mm-hmm. And then they built on those characters mm-hmm. and they kept continually building. And so like, I guess we should kind of ask this question. What did you think of Adam Warlock 
Like, we didn't know who this character was yet. Like, he hadn't had any screen time. And the first thing you see, and like you said, that first five minutes, you think everybody's going to die because he comes in and just, like, annihilates Wasn't everybody. he in Guardians 2, though? Uh, no. So his people were there, and then they put a cac- or a cocoon together to to grow him. Okay. And so he never physically showed up, but they showed the uh, – they, they teased it at the end. They were like, my Adam. And so okay. – Yeah, so – I yeah, I was like, who the heck is this guy? And he's gonna kill Rocket. He's gonna kill Groot. He's gonna kill you know everybody that's in his way. That whole first you know ten fifteen minutes. Well, when he like rips Groot's head off yeah. and like does the whole spine thing, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like some of that. I I and I you know I knew that none of them were gonna die at the very beginning of this film because a few of you guys were like, hey, do you have any questions before you go see this film? I was like, did anybody die? And I I remember having. Like the the knowing or that knowledge, no one's gonna die. And next thing I know, I'm like, did everybody just like you. completely mess with me? Like, are am I being punked? Like, is Groot really gonna die at the very beginning? Like, did we get? And, and then you know there was the the thing that came out. What was it earlier this year, late last year, where someone sued uh, a company because the trailer was misleading. And like now you can't lie in your trailers or like put stuff that's not gonna show up in the movie. Wasn't it a verdict? Or wasn't like it that. a verdict about like the Infinity War trailer or something because Hulk wasn't in it or something? All yeah, time? something like that. Like Marvel got got trashed. And I was like, okay, wait, are we gonna have this moment where they're gonna be willing to take the lawsuit just to mess with us? But man, oh man, just the the way that they started that movie and for Adam to be such a a powerhouse to walk in, I was like, wow, like that's this is gonna be a character to watch. Um. And I feel like the way that when they did the the stupidity, because I feel like James Gunn's humor is kind of like stupid humor, and he played it very very well with with Adam. In my perspective, I think he did very well, and just was like he's not fully mature. He's not. He wasn't. He was taken out of his cocoon early. Like he's clearly not. Like he may be physically big, but he's not mentally big yet. He also had redemption though at the end of the movie. Oh, absolutely. And I I think. When you have how many characters were there? You had the original five. You had Craglin, Cosmo, or, or Cosmos. Is it no? It's Cosmo. Um, and Nebula, Mantis. That's nine right there. That's not including. You've got to build up your high evolutionary as your villain, and uh, Adam Warlock. That's eleven characters. And then you've got the other three uh, animals that Rocket was with. So you're now pushing 14 characters that you're going to have to build storytelling with. She mentioned the High Evolutionary? Yeah. Okay, yeah. What did you think of him? Oh, my gosh. Hands down, he is one of my favorite villains in the MCU. Okay, why is that? I, I The reason I ask is because I had some friends that went and saw this movie that have been super critical of the MCU since phase, since pretty much Endgame, right? They've just trashed yeah. the MCU. Um and one of the things they didn't like about the High Evolutionary was that he yelled the whole time. That right there, for me, as, as okay, so one thing I've learned since moving to Oklahoma is emotional intelligence. And it's this whole idea of, like, being able to read a room, being able to know how to deal with your emotions. Um, I've gotten through some of my trauma. I've gotten through some of, some of the, the crap that I've had to deal with in my 20-some years of life. And... I think the way that they told that character 
was so beautiful. Not because, like, he's a great villain. Like, he didn't come in destroying, uh, like, half the galaxy. He didn't come in with a plan to kill off humanity. Like, his whole vision was to improve life in a way that, like, no one else could. And as Rocket says, he's not trying to improve it. He just doesn't like it the way it is. And just that, like, perverse thinking and the way that they handled it. And when he's yelling... He's yelling because he's frustrated and because it's, he's not getting his way. And, like, there's an inner child screaming, trying to fix things, trying to get out. And that's where his anger is coming from. And I loved the way that they told that story because, like, he realized I created something that's smarter than me. And I feel like it's the opposite way that Tony Stark and Ultron were. It was a, I want to, like use the brain like I, I want to I want to take what's there and fix and figure out why why am I not smart enough why am I not how do I enhance myself how do I enhance everything else around me where Tony was very much with Ultron like okay I got to destroy what I made because it clearly didn't work out and I feel like it it mirrored very well that that same story to a degree and I just, I, I just love the high evolutionary he was just a very well-told villain and that he he had something to hide his face at the end. <laughs> that was probably one of the most brutal things we've seen. Yeah. In the MCU. As far as yep. far as like a, a graphic, you know, pushing on pushing it on the, the border of being a rated R film. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved that he he was so infatuated with Earth that he's like, we're gonna create counter Earth. And then builds a planet and then realizes that his species are not well evolved enough. He, it's not the perfection. And, and I think that's another thing about the high evolutionary. He's seeking perfection. And if you truly step back and realize that perfection is not an obtainable goal. And like, it's just, you, you're always hungry for more. You're always wanting to enhance. You're always wanting to try to take the next step. If you can understand that perfection is never really perfect and that you can't really find that, like it makes things easier in life. But for him, he's so focused on, I've got to get that. I've got to get that perfection point. So that's why I like him. He just was a very unique villain. He didn't, he didn't come in with like, I'm going to fight you. Like if you realize like he, he had the technology, but he hardly used it. Like he threw people around with like the force kind of thing. Like when he when he like glows purple, like he threw you around, but he didn't like shoot you. He didn't come in with a sword and a shield, like all these other villains who are very hands on. You know what it kind of reminded me of was um, the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in the nineties, the first one, when oh when yeah, at the beginning, um, uh, Shredder, you know, he's the master to Splinter, and they work together, and then you know Splinter, you know, finds out who he really is, and then he scratches his face. And at the end of the movie, he takes the mask off and you see how bad his face has been mangled because of what, what Splinter did to him. Kind of the same concept with Rocket and the High, High Evolutionary um, in Guardians 3. I, I just realized that as we were talking. like You didn't see how bad it was until the end you yeah. know, when he got his face you know, kind of... They exposed it and it's like, wow, this is this is pretty graphic for, for what happened. Um what did you think of Rocket and the story that they told with Rocket and his 
is basically this almost could have been Guardians, you know, Guardians three Rockets, you know, solo story in a, in a way. That could have been his um, origin story, if you will. I loved the way that they handled. He was there, but he wasn't there in the film because he he was like basically on life support until like yeah he's on life support he's he's in this comatose state and I loved how they handled that because so many movies try to tell a story and they just miss the mark mm-hmm. um, and I feel like they really hit it so um, super vulnerable moment here but like I, I was thinking you know when I saw that you know when he was he was going pretty much to the afterlife he was almost on the, the, the precipice of death right yeah. and he goes to see his friends on the other side and then she's like it's not your time yet you know you just lost a grandparent recently. I lost a, I lost my mom almost two years ago. And like, I just cried like a baby when that happened. Yeah. You know, I could see one of us being sick, you know, you or I, and you know, we, we were on the precipice of heaven and it's like, you see the people that have gone before us and they're like, Nope, not yet. And because we know of the, because of the faith that we have, it's like, wow, heaven's a beautiful thing. However, it's not, everybody's time at the same time if that makes sense and so when when rocket yep. goes to that point i just i just lost my mind <laughs> people probably thought i was crazy in that theater because i audibly just sobbed out loud um and uh, one of the other moments for me was when uh drax was with the children with nebula and um mantis i think it was mantis and um when nebula was nebula was like you know, Drax, I don't see you as the destroyer. I see you as Drax, the dad. And I just lost my mind again because of the the emotional uh, attachment to trying to have children and not being able to have children, having, you know, infertility struggles and stuff with, with my wife. And I've been open. We've been open about yeah. that. But like he lost his wife and his daughter. Thanos, you know, killed them. And, you know, Drax. Yeah, not like via snap. Like he, he killed, them, like, killed, them, killed them. Right. And so yeah. Drax was always this vengeful. Uh, angry maniac, you know, that we see in the very first Guardians to the point up into Guardians 3 when, you know, he he loves kids and he loves being around children. And, you know, when she's like, Drax, I see you as Drax the dad. I just lost, lost <laughs> every bit of emotional uh, intelligence as you were talking about earlier. I just cried and cried and cried and cried. Um, but there's this beautiful payoffs that we've been waiting for. Um, again, with with what we didn't get a lot of in phase four, you know, I think James Gunn and the two and a half hours of Guardians three did a lot of payoffs that we've been waiting for, and the you know that was not happening in all of Phase four. He did it in one movie. Would you agree with that? Some of this, well, in, in reference to the Guardian stories, yeah, I I would, I think, I think that Guardians just is a very different style of film. Like, I think that where there were a lot of things lacking this one did fill that that need and that gap but i don't think it did it for everything you, because i think i know where you're going but do you, do you think they did that with gamora gamora yeah. for me was the only one that i was like mm-hmm. because of you know she you know she dies in endgame i'm sorry infinity war and it's like she's dead but she went back they went back in time and they brought her back and is it really her and it's not really her and you know, she ends up going off the Ravagers at the end of the movie, and it's like, well... Here's here's the issue that I have with Gamora. I hate they brought her back. Yeah. And, and here's why. You came back for one more movie. 
Mm. And that's it. Like, and then said you didn't want to do so it anymore. It, yeah. Like, what, what was the point? And, and honestly, her character was not a huge story arc that we needed in this movie. Like, you could have, like, I just think that Star-Lord, you didn't need to bring her back to help him get over her death. Like, you could have introduced a new character. You could have really built on the whole, like, Peter and Mantis are siblings and that she helps him get through some of that. Because I feel like they didn't really hit I was going to ask you that. I was like, were you surprised they didn't do more? Because they literally just picked it up in the Guardians Christmas special and they, they, they revealed that. And then they didn't really do much in the third movie. Yeah, I I was kind of upset about that one personally. They also covered um, a lot more ground with other things too in that movie. So maybe they're, I don't know. Do you do you, do you think that they, that's why they didn't do that or why they didn't focus on that? Because they had everything else going on. I I think this film did really well in a lot of ways. I just I don't know how you you fix things. Honestly, like, like I have my complaints, but I don't have constructive criticism. <laughs> like, like I think Gamora should not have been in this film okay. personally. And, and solely because you could have just left her, left her, uh, as a dead character in infinity war and not brought her back in Endgame Cause I don't think that she, or you could have been like, she died in Endgame as well. Like if you really needed her to be there or could, like she disappeared so in Endgame, game or she, she disappeared in Endgame, And like she did, she just walked away. And they yeah. just never revisited again. Yeah. And, and because they kind of did that in Love and Thunder. I'm sorry, at the end of Endgame, when when Quill's trying to like look on his map on the ship and try to, you know, do a search and try to find her, but then they just never find her. Yeah. And, and that's and it, okay. And, <laughs> and and here's the other thing. Sometimes life just happens and it gets in the way. Like there are times where I forget to do something because I'm just running at a million miles an hour. And it could have been that, hey, we now run nowhere as the Guardians base. Mm-hmm. We're we're helping people across the galaxy. And here's the other piece. What where did where did they get nowhere from? Is I thought the collector died. So did did because apparently the collector owned nowhere. And I'm just like, okay, did nowhere exist because the collector like ran everything there and it was just this crap show place because of that? Or like, did they have to buy Nowhere from him? Did they just kind of assume responsibility for Nowhere when Collector died and Thanos kind of ravaged through it? Like, walk me through that one. Because now it's their home base. Okay. And I don't think that they, they acknowledge that in either the Christmas special or um, or the third movie. Well, was it a planet? Is it a planet? It's considered a planet, right? I mean, it's a celestial head. I don't know if it's considered a planet or not. Well, the collector could have died, and the planet still exists, or the celestial, you know, what you're saying still yeah. still exists. You know, it's not like Zan- so someone would have to assume possession. Yeah. Well, it's not like Xandar, where Thanos just completely wiped it out. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. It's a good point. They didn't. They didn't really tell that story. You know. Yeah. And they really didn't pick up like you're saying on Mantis. Um. You know, the Mantis and the the Quill, you know, being sibling storyline. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do that. But like, I th- I think they were trying. They had so much us, so many other things going on, and you know, this. I hope 
moving forward that we're we're not leaning again with 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 MCU MCU films being on the longer side of things because two hours is kind of my limit, kind of my sweet spot. Um, this one was what two hours and thirty minutes, two hours and thirty two minutes. I think it was like two hours twenty eight minutes. Two hours and thirty minutes. I haven't pulled up my computer. Okay. Um, Ant Man was what two hours and change. Yeah, it was a little over. Wakanda Forever was almost three hours. Yeah. But what I'm saying though is that like I think with everything, Guardians is everything but an Avengers movie, right? What I'm when what I mean by that was there's a like you said there's a ton of characters in it and they all have stories and all have connections one way or another to the bigger broader MCU. Um, you know, with with it being two hours and thirty minutes, it's going to be kind of hard to say everything and tell everything and give the background of, of what's going on, such as nowhere, such as the sibling thing with, with Quill and, and Mantis. Like I, it's almost impossible to, um, to tell that story without making it even longer than it already is. Do you, were you okay with the pacing of the movie with, you know, it being two hours and 30 minutes? So I agree with you on the, the two hours is a good sweet spot. I would say anywhere between two, two and a half hours, depending on who the film is. Like Ant-Man, closer to two hours. You get to Guardians, two hours, two hours and 30 minutes, as long as the pacing was fine. And I feel like the pacing was was very good. I think it ebbed and flowed. Like there were some slower parts, but I think that was for the dramatic effect of, oh, we might lose Rocket. Like there was that that piece of where death is on hit like he's on death's door or right at death's door and he's like hey do i get to come to the great great blue sky like do i get to come do that and they're like yes but not right now and like it was very slow in that moment and i think there were a few moments where it became very slow and i think that was by design it was kind of drawn out to make us feel like oh is Drax gonna die? Oh, is Groot gonna die? Oh no, is our our Groot and Peter Quill gonna gonna make it off the ship? Um, there were there were certain moments where it felt a little bit more drawn out, and I think that was by design. Yeah, um, Quantum Mania was two hours and four minutes. Yeah, so which I think I think it was very well told in that time frame too. Mm. So what? what did you think of the ending of the movie and like where they kind of left it as they, you know, as we know now, you know, in this moment in 2023, the, the idea that the guardians will return, but it may not be the original lineup. It's going to be a different version. Well, and also that it may not show up in a movie, hmm. like, like their own solo outing. I um, want, they- and, and, and I'll still say this. And I know that Dave Batista doesn't want to be Drax anymore. I want a Mantis Drax series. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Um I think the, the one liner, by the way, the one liners of Drax in this movie were outstanding. My favorite was when they're like, as your favorite person, second favorite person. <laughs> like he kept claiming that he was Quill's best friend. Yes. Like I loved that. Which 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 um, by the way, you know, it, how um we, we talked about payoffs sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i was thinking about this no you're good but the payoffs like you remember how much of a jerk rocket was to quill especially in like infinity war for example 
when he was like 12% of a plane. Yeah, he's like, you think you're the captain, Quill. But, you know, they're really listening to me. And he was such a jerk to Quill. And then, like, fast forward to Guardians 3, Quill Quill just loves Rocket so much that he would do anything to save them, which is just which is just cool. And it's like a testament of who they are as a as a group and this friendship. So try and track with me on this one. Do you think that it shows how much that is a family unit when Rocket and Endgame would do anything to bring them back? He's willing to to do anything for them. And when he's on the line, because everyone else in that group except for Nebula, Nebula is the only, the only person who was in both of those as like an active member. The rest of them were dusted. And then when they come in, Rocket's the only one who's on the whose life is online, and they're all willing to to sacrifice everything for him. Do you think that that like is such a and and I'm going to use the the phrase here? Do you feel like that's the love letter that that uh, James Gunn was kind of giving us? Is that like this really this movie really is all about family? Like it, it's building your chosen family. It's it's going in and and finding those who you can work well together with, and people that will love you for who you are. Um, and will help guide you into the better becoming the better person that you know you can be. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and I think Rocket had lost everything and didn't want to lose it again. And the same thing for for Quill. He had already lost Gamora. He had lost. They all lost uh-huh. something, and they they, they yeah, have went. They're a bunch of losers. Well, like we've all lost everything. Not, but from an emotional. Like, oh yeah, grieving kind of loss. They there was so much loss. Every one of them had experienced some sort of loss, and then when you get into the story of Rocket and you know him losing his friends and you know oh it gets terrible. Oh I'm a, and I'm an animal lover. Rips that's the, us that's the other thing too. Is like I'm a big animal lover. And the funny side story, we go see this movie and I cry like a baby the entire time. And I'm just being completely honest. I literally cried like a baby. And then I walk out and I follow IGN on social media. And the first thing I see on IGN is if if you're sensitive to animals or cruel with you to animals, you may not be you may not be interested in this film. And I'm like, well, you could have told me before I went and saw it. Like, yeah, it was it was rough for because my wife and I have four cats and you know three inside cats and one outside cat. We love animals. We love dogs. We just we just love animals. And so that was rough when you know the the high evolutionary is like experimenting on all these animals, and when it doesn't go right, he just annihilates them and you know catches you know incinerates them i half expected cosmo to uh to be part of that group Mm. um to some degree so that way like hey how did you get these these telepathic powers because they didn't really explain how cosmo got her powers And I'm like, oh, that would have been fun if you would have put her with the high evolutionary, like maybe not at the same time frame that that Rocket was there, but like a little bit later. Yeah. Um it was that was rough for me. I think that was probably part of the biggest there were several moments where it was rough for me, but like the whole experimenting on animals and um what is the Man, I'm so sorry. I lost my thought. The 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 quote in Guardians three. Um, where Rocket says, you know, we're going to just chase the sky or be in the sky and we'll be in the sky together kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, you know what I'm talking about? 
I think I know what you're saying. Uh, keep going and I'll, I'll find it. Anyways, the uh, I just I really really enjoyed how they handled Rocket um, with his storytelling. I was kind of expecting him and Layla or Lila, um, the otter. I was really expecting them to be like, "Hey, like that was my wife," um, because I think in the in the comics they're married. And so it's the um, quote is we'll fly away together one last time and into the forever and beautiful sky. And when they're all laying in that, in that cage together and they're saying, I just, if, if y'all haven't learned anything about this podcast, I'm emotional and I cried this entire movie. (laughs) It was bad. This, this one, this one really got, I, I walked out and so I, we pre-screen these for our youth ministry. We go in and tell, uh, our adults and, and our parents, we say, hey, we're going to go see these movies. Here's our, our review, um, spoiler free, so that way you're aware um, of what the language count looks like, what um, if there is is imagery that shouldn't be shown to your students um, so that they have a better idea of what, what they're getting themselves into. Um, and so we, we pre-screen all the superhero films because that's a big big thing that our, our students are, are fans of. And so I remember walking out and looking at my intern, the summer's intern. And I said, Danny, I about bald this entire movie. And she's like, yeah, this one, this one was rough. And she, she's a big animal lover. And I'm not a huge animal lover myself, but I just, it was just a moment. I was like, this is going to be hard for some people to watch. And she's like, yeah, I'm glad that my buddy Grace didn't come. And I was like, yeah, she, she probably would have cried on it. Um, because I know that the the girls are are very big fans of animals and and they they love their dogs and and all the different animals that they've got. But I just whew, this one was this was a, a hard pill to swallow with some of that. And I said when when we were walking out, I said Kevin and Michael were also with us, and I I looked at all of them. I said this is going to be the movie that I'll watch when I want a good cry, <laughs> like when when I need to just kind of like let the emotions roll. Like this will be a good movie to watch because yeah, this one definitely hit hard. Yeah, I I can't remember though. I mean, like I feel like I cried when when Endgame happened, you know, especially when Tony dies, and um, that was such a beautiful movie. Same thing with uh, when Aunt May dies in No Way Home. Like I just there there are those moments, but yeah. I don't remember a movie in my life where I just cried the entire movie from start to start to finish. <laughs> and I think that's what that was. I'll I'll have a hard time watching this movie again. I'm excited to see it again, just with, with knowing what happens and to be able to kind of look over some of the details and, um, I'm excited. Now we are starting to run out of time and I've got one last question, um, just for, for what your thoughts are to, to kind of end it on a higher note instead of like this, <laughs> this emotional, cause this was an emotional film. Um, what did you think of the Bowie, their, their ship that they switched out? They had the, the Milano in the first one. Um, then they had the Benatar in the second film, and I believe they took the Benatar into uh, Endgame or Infinity War and Endgame. So, what did you think of having the uh, the Benatar or the the Bowie as the the ship in this one? I mean, it was kind of like a big set piece. That was there was a lot of time spent on the Bowie. Um, I liked it. It was different. 
it, it did some different things versus the original ship. Um, kind of reminded me of like in Mandalorian when when Mando gets his ship switched up from the original, which I was kind of upset that they did that, but I get why they did it. Um, and now we love the N1. Yes, but I like the other ship too. Um, I think it's good to change things up and give a fresh perspective and a fresh look. Um, but like you said, they spent a lot of time on this ship during the movie. And uh, it wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't bad. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you can say that. I'm trying to make it a high note, right? Like you just said. We... <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm just like, just did you did you like the like the spinning aspects, the way that it just kind of. Yeah, I, I like how it. Yeah, I like the functionality of it. I thought it was a cool ship. Yeah. Um, it's hard because like, OK, this is the third movie of this franchise. We're used to the Guardians doing certain things. We're used to the Guardians in a, in a certain kind of ship. And then they changed it up. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to react to this now? knowing that this may or may not be the version of the guardians we get to see moving forward. Are they going to continue to use that ship or not? Does that make sense? Yep. So, well, yeah, I feel like you, like you just said the the style of ships, I feel like it was more starfighter with the, the Benatar and the, the Milano. And then with the Bowie is more like a star cruiser kind of feel like you're just more your millennium Falcon versus like an X-wing. Like it's just, Hey, this is like a, a, we're going to go save some people. We're going to like, this is mission oriented, not like super, Hey, we're getting into battles. Yeah. It was good. So, it was cool. I just, again, I, I think I was just so emotionally invested in the film that I wasn't paying super attention to the, to the ship. I want to see the movie again. I don't know that I'll, I'm going to wait for a while before I see it again. So if you weren't paying attention to the ship, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll ask one last question here. Who was your favorite character? Who did who did you like the most in this this movie? Probably Drax. Good pick. And, Good. And the reason I picked Drax is like there were like again there were just so many one liners, and he, his character is perfect for like when you know Jordan. Uh, you and Micah are going to have to figure out nerd talk. Nerd talk's coming to an end. Uh, you know, and then Drax is over here. It doesn't matter. Like we're having this pivotal moment in our relationship and our friendship. And he's over there making, you know, jokes and, you know, nobody can take him seriously. And that's kind of all related to him. Um, and that kind of makes me sad too, because this is supposedly his last outing. So, um, We'll see what we'll see what happens. Never say never. Not, the doors never close. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's he's already said he wants to play Bane in the James Gunn universe of for for Batman. So we'll see what happens. I don't think that'll well, happen. Well, just you know, he wants. But yeah, no, I see he, what he you're wants saying. to continue working with James Gunn. So you know, if if that stuff happens in the future, I could see it happening. Um, who is your favorite character? Well, I'm tied. So my, I guess I'm gonna have to put it in two categories. My my favorite OG was Groot. The fact that this guy is a beefcake in this film, <laughs> like just walking around him doing the I am Groot, just how, at the how different about, spots. Let's just talk for that for just a second. The evolution of Groot being a twig. Oh my god. Like from Guardians 1 to now, through the different various variations of his character, baby Groot, big Groot, small Groot, young adult Groot, teenage Groot, uh, 
giant Groot. Like there, there are so many different King Groot yeah. at the yeah, end. There's just, oh my gosh! I, I never, I never dreamed that they would be able to to get so much out of one character like that. Well, and especially with I am Groot. Yeah. That is all the dude says up until we are Groot in the first film. Then he gets back to I am Groot from Twig all the way up until this movie. And then at the end, I love you guys. Which, by the way, my entire... So we had a bunch of frat boys in front of us, uh, my group. And then there were frat boys behind us and I think some sorority girls or whatnot. Like It was like OU or OSU's campus sent a bunch of people to go see this film. And I just remember this moment where it was like this audible gasp. Like the whole the whole audience was like <gasps> when he says I love you guys. <laughs> Were you okay with that? So him saying that it's almost like I'm breaking character for, for t- yeah. I it was it was hard for me, but I was like, wait, what? Um, I think I'm okay with it because it's probably only going to happen the one time. Like, I I I don't know. I think it was okay. But his character just because I I felt like he was going to lean more towards looking like the uh, the group from the first film. And then he beefs up into this beefcake just walking around. And I was like and I, I loved that like a lot of it is paneling too, like it's big bark paneling because when he, he does the whole gun situation where he's like pulling out all the guns and boom, 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 boom. I'm like, where did you hide all that? Like they didn't scan the tree. And I loved that. I loved that they were like, all right, you know what to do. And like, he's handing him all the guns. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And even when he got cut down to the head, he was able to walk around with some branches. And yeah, kind of- like it was, it was unique on how they told his story. And I loved the evolution of Groot. Um, and we, we watched the I Am Groot series, me and Ollie. And Oliver just loves Groot. And he's like, Groot, Groot. And I'm like, I kind of just want them to continue doing that. And I heard they're doing a season two of I am Groot and I think they're going to because it's all animated so it's like they just have to get a bunch of audio recordings of um of Vin Diesel just saying I am Groot and then they can audio fix it into uh what they need for him I'm like you you could tell a bunch of different stories you can do it like through his whole life like the evolution of Groot we could have King Groot running around for a little bit what did you think of King Groot at the end again just another variation of him and then just continuing to grow his character, which is which is kind of interesting because if you read comics, which you do, and I read some, mm-hmm. like they're one of the cool things about comics is they can keep reinventing who they are as characters. And the movies haven't always done a great job of reinventing and redoing characters as they go. And they've done an outstanding job with Groot. I think he is the one character in the entire MCU where, and I'll say the the second would probably be Iron Man. I think that he like continually tried to to improve himself as a character. No one else really comes close to those two, but I think Groot is the one character, and not just in the MCU, but I think in cinema, to really see how they they've handled a character's development and how they continue to change and how they continue to grow. That's that's Scott um, and I talk about wrestling a lot, but like that that's a phrase in wrestling. If you can con- continue to reinvent yourself as a character, you're going to have longevity in the business, and so I think that was one of the things that made Groot and or Iron Man so successful is that they've continued to reinvent themselves and make them make their characters yep. memorable or remember memorable. Um, yeah. And I just think it's outstanding. Like who would have thought that a tree 
would be yeah, the, with three words yep. almost the entire the entire well, let's his, just say his... let's just say i don't know if you guys four words seven words the entire time he's been the character i am groot and then i love you guys i love you yeah four four words so seven words total eight because we we are groot we okay so eight words eight so, so eight words eight words in the the entirety of of what he's been in three guardians a holiday special infinity war end game and end game okay so uh and thor love and thunder yes so seven appearances he has almost one appearance oh and his his i am group series he has eight different appearance specials all that stuff and he he has one word for each appearance that he's made so far that's crazy the uh, the other character that I I really liked was Cosmo. I thought Cosmo was great. Just the the you take that back. You take that back. I I'm not bad bad dog. And like the the way that they handled the character, I just loved Cosmo. I was like, I want more Cosmo. I was hoping they were gonna do uh some Howard the Duck in there too, but he only showed up for like a brief moment again. I'm like, oh, Cosmo and Howard the Duck would be great additions, and I hope that they get cycled into the guardians you never know yep you never know so with that um we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up it's been a lot of fun micah thank you so much for talking about this one with me I made it through and without crying made it through we are we are still dry on our faces so um but to all of you out there listening thank you so much for supporting this podcast by listening to us and uh, we will catch you next time here on nerd talk